Thanks for downloading this IMSA Radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA Radio wherever they get their podcasts. The Michelin Pilot Challenge on IMSA Radio, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hello everybody, I'm John Heindorf and this is another one of our season reviews. Thanks for joining us here on the Radio Show Limited Network of audio and visual channels. Or you may be maybe downloaded from the archive. However you decide to consume our content, thank you very much indeed for being with us. Shea Adam is with me for this, which gives you a clue that we are talking about IMSA and one of the two main IMSA series for 2023. This is the Michelin Pilot Challenge, uh, an 11-round series, two four-hour races and the rest as two-hour races. Shay, first of all, thank you for joining us. And secondly... A really nice uh, 11 race series, Daytona, Sebring, Laguna, Detroit, Watkins Glen, Mooresport, Lime Rock. Um, actually, weren't um, not everybody was at Lime Rock and not everybody was at Detroit. That was a bit of a difference uh, for this year. Road America, uh, VIR, Indianapolis and Road Atlanta. Now, if you are talking about quality US venues to go racing, that's pretty much all of them, isn't it? Basically, it's just about everything you could ask for on your Christmas card. Uh, yeah, we did have a first this season where everybody was split up. It was GS only at Detroit and TCR only at Lime Rock. So everybody got their moment in the sunshine, which was really cool to be able to highlight the different racing. Mm. And we love multi-class racing. Take nothing away from of that. Course. but giving everyone the opportunity to get the overall win, that was pretty cool too. Did it work for you? Uh, Detroit with the GS cars I thought was stunning. That was the Le Mans test weekend. And bear in mind, it was quite late when I did that from our farmhouse uh, at Le Mans (laughs) uh, with you in, uh, you were up in Utah, weren't you? So um, I I was totally engaged in that and similarly for Lime Rock I, I, I thought the TCRs around Lime Rock were a perfect fit yeah uh, Detroit I was not working so I was actually watching that with friends oh, at yes, home in were, Utah yeah. Uh, but yeah that that didn't work for me just because Bryce Ward got his first win and I wasn't there to interview him in the moment and I was yeah. really mad at him about that um, but the racing itself was really good the Lime Rock absolutely worked because TCR gives us week in and week out some of the best racing every weekend that we can look forward to. So the fact that we were able to focus on the battle, which at that point was for the championship, Mm. because we had a really good three-way fight where three teams were going back and forth every weekend trying to claim the championship lead. And from a personal side of things, Mark Wilkins uh, coming away to that weekend when he left his baby girl who has had some pretty severe health issues her entire life was checked back into the hospital. He was racing with a very heavy heart with his head needing to be in multiple places. And for he and Mason Felipe to get that overall win, that really worked for me. Uh, As far as the two championships concerned, there was controversy 
in GS. We'll, I'm going to put that to one side and we'll deal with that in the second part of this programme. Let's start with the TCRs and remind ourselves the TC, TCR is a global formula and IMSA was pretty uh, pretty sharp in, in getting on board with TCR. They're... It replaced the old ST formula, which, generally speaking, were um, were built by the teams or the individuals concerned. Often, yeah. spending a lot of money on, particularly on engines, uh, cars that maybe had been insurance write-offs and totaled from road cars that were then transferred into being race cars, and swapped that, which was successful. Don't get me wrong for factory-built TCR cars um, that are able to be used in a variety of championships around the US and, indeed, around the world. It has grown, and we had a cracking entry in TCR this year, Shia. We really did. Um, at first, on the entry list, it, it looked as if it was becoming a bit of the Hyundai Cup um, mm. because about half the field were actually running Hyundais. But as far as results are concerned, there were only three Hyundai victories over the course of the season. The other seven races were won three by Alpha and four by Audi. So that's not to say that just because one formula seems to be working a little bit better than everything else, that that's where all the results lie, because the teams and ultimately the drivers still make the difference at the end of the day. I love this formula. Yeah, we walked away from the street tuner type of things where it was a little bit more garage built project cars that could come out and run. Uh, we had the the Riley brothers who always brought out their Mazda when we came to Lime Rock, for example. Well, we don't have that anymore but what we do have are safer purpose-built race cars and i really love tcr it came down to a tremendous fight that there are three championships in each of the two classes we have a manufacturer championship a team's championship and a driver's championship in tcr the team's championship was incredibly close all the way through and ultimately um it it was 10 points that uh, that decided that that particular championship at Road Atlanta at the end of the year. It went in the favour of Hyundai over uh, Audi with Alfa Romeo and their single entry um, in the shape of the, Julia, uh, the Julietta uh, in third and Honda uh, in fourth place. Again, only two points between those two and 100, sorry, 200 points between the top two and the third and fourth in the manufacturers, which was in some ways quite extraordinary. Um, We kick off the season with a four-hour race at Daytona. And I think that's a great way way to start the season, Shay. It really is. We've got the the two four-hour races across the year. Um, This year, shifting it to Indy, wasn't it? Um, So Audi ultimately victorious in both of those but the beginning race of the season road shagger racing coming out strong swinging great victory for them in what was supposed to be the final race for them with their old spec car they did get the new rs3 um but a couple of things happening across the course of the season they weren't able to complete the full year 
They do get to keep their heads high, though, on getting that Daytona win. They've won at Daytona before. They did it in 2020. And Roadshagger as an organization has won some of the big races. We just need them to string together a full season to be able to really contest for that uh, championship. But it was a really good beginning to the year, particularly for Audi. And then it kind of tapered off a little bit until we got about halfway through. And then Audi and JDC really finding their strength. Mm. Yeah, very good. Uh, Very good indeed. Uh, A big highlight for me was that single-class race uh, in the middle of the season at Lime Rock Park. At the end of the day, uh, it was pretty tight and it uh, pretty much went down to the wire. Where where did the season where did the season uh, turn? Harry Gottsacker and Robert Wiggins winning the championship without winning a race. Um, <laughs> in some ways, right through the season until they were crowned champions, a source of uh, of some worry for Robert Wiggins in particular. But as I think he said to you at the end of the race, it doesn't matter, we're still champions. They still got the biggest trophy at the end of the year, so that's the one that matters. Uh, Their sister car, the number 98, with Mark Wilkins and Mason Felipe, I mentioned they got the win at Lime Rock. They got two other wins, and they were the only Hyundai to actually get to victory lane this Mm. year. So they didn't do such a bad job themselves. I mean, they've got a lot to be proud of. But for Robert Wickens and Harry Gottsacker, they're both drivers who are used to winning. They know what it takes to win a championship. And all of those consistent podium finishes, that's what really made a big difference for them um for wilkins and felipe running out of fuel at the Ah. end of the road america race that's ultimately what cost them the championship Uh, yes they did have one other bad finish i think it was at the glen um where they ran out out of fuel fuel. yeah it was the glen Um, they were 11th in both of those and effectively retired from both of those races so that was the worst results they could get there and that was the only twice that say that through the season that they were off the podium yeah and they were strong through and through the problem was that Gottsacker and Wickens were a little bit stronger um their worst finish actually came at Daytona Mm. this past year so for them to have improved every single round through the championship to to make it to the point where, yes, they weren't winning races, but they were there thereabouts a lot. Oh, I, a worse finish is six. Well, That's not bad. So when you, in a championship season, have, uh, that is, uh, what did I say, 11 rounds, and, and you have six second-place finishes, a third, a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth, and you yeah. finish every single race. And I... I think they were on the lead lap of every single race as well. So I think you're right. I think they completed every single race lap across the year. Would they have wanted to win? I'm sure they would. But they'll take that big championship trophy, as you mentioned. Well, for Mason Felipe and Mark Wilkins, I, I kind of feel for them, um, particularly when they ran out of petrol at Elkhart Lake at Road America. Yeah. Um, they only finished 50, uh, six, what did they finish? Uh, 60 points 60 behind points the losers, 50 points ahead of third. Um, and, you know, the winner of the championship doesn't win a race. Second and third both took three victories. I mean, that yeah. that shows you how consistent they must have been um, in across the rest of the season to win it. Well, and, and shout-out goes to Robert Wickens because he was fighting with... Um, 
Mikey Taylor at the end of the race at CTMP for that race win. It ultimately went the way of the Audi team. Uh, they backed up their wins as well with VIR and Indy. Uh, so big victories there. But Robert decided to take the points on offer and take yeah. the second place instead of fighting it out for the win and potentially both cars winding up in scraps of carbon fiber. There were decisions <laughs> like that made over the course of the year, and that's ultimately resulted with them winning the championship instead of winning a race or maybe binning it in a race. Uh, a word for, uh, we've talked about the two Hyundai crews, Chris Miller uh, and Mikey Taylor uh, in third position. Uh, the uh, U.S. Uh, South Africa. The first two teams, by the way, both U.S. Canadian uh, driver lineups. Uh, U.S. and South African for the third uh, place team. Uh, an eighth place at Sebring. A twelfth place at Road Atlanta in class. Mm. Ultimately, cost them three race wins on the season. Two other visits to the podium in second place. Um, I mean. So nearly a great season for them. I think it was four pole positions on the year as well, three or mm. four. Uh, the only other car besides Matt Pombeo to get a pole. So a really good performance from uh, Chris Miller in particular. I mean, yes, Mikey was amazing at the end of the race. Don't don't take anything away from that. But for Chris to be able to position the car at the front and qualifying, that heartbreak of Road Atlanta that began at the green flag with the car just not accelerating, the mechanical issue letting them down, that was the gut punch to the season. But mm. other than that, they had been so strong. And yeah, not as consistent as either of the Hyundai teams, but they always put themselves in a position to take whatever points they could. And frequently, they were outperforming. And as the win total shows you, they outperformed the Brian Hurd Autosport team that won the championship the last two years with Taylor Hagler and Michael Lewis. That is something impressive in and of itself. We had uh, a weird situation with some drivers uh, getting positions on their own because of changes in lineups through the years. And in fourth place on his own, Tyler Maxson uh, was uh, a, a couple of hundred, 270 points further back in fourth position. Tyler had a second in the final race of the season, a third at Watkins Glen, two fourths between Daytona, Lime Rock, fifth at Laguna, sixth at Sebring at VIR and Indy, and the DNF at CTMP. So Tyler really did have a good year all in all. There was a little bit of inconsistency with uh, where he was going to be driving since he was with a different team for the Daytona lineup mm. and then settled in with Brian Ortiz for the remainder of the year. But this really did set him up nicely going into next year. And he's not with the if you will, factory-blessed Hyundai team. Oops, I said it. But he was with the underdogs, and he did manage to come out fighting and beat some of the other teams that got big wins, like the Alpha. Which is next up, Roy Block and Tim Lewis Jr. Three race wins on the season. That was the high point, but yeah. those were the only three times they were on the podium. Best well, Next best finish was a fifth and four non-points scoring finishes. Just that really ruined their season. They had five DNFs total. That's where the ouch oh, yeah, really five. starts right. to be yes. felt. Yeah. Um, they did manage to get their third consecutive win at Road America. That probably was the highlight, uh, celebrating with that team because they didn't expect that to come. But there were so many things that just let them down, most of it being mechanical issues with the car. Um, that isn't exactly confidence-inspiring, but the the 
the team, the KMW team has been so loyal towards Alpha and flying the colors where other people haven't been able to. The fact that Alpha finished ahead of Honda in the championship with only one car representing the entire manufacturer, whereas Honda had two, sometimes three, sometimes one, but most of the time two, that's a big flag in their book. And they got three wins. Honda didn't win a race at all in 2023. Mm. Yeah, very good point. Um, behind uh, behind that, as we scroll down through the top 10, uh, Taylor Hagler, again, a story of uh, differing teammates. Uh, Taylor uh, coming off a great season last year with the best uh, positional finish of fifth. That was three times, by the way. Now, that's not bad. And in fact, never finished outside of the top 10. No. And ultimately, if you look at someone's championship performance and you say, all right, they finished fifth three times. Every finish was within the top 10. The worst finish was ninth at Watkins Glen. But effectively, this team, and, and I'm putting Michael Lewis in this too because he did every race with Taylor except for the final round of the championship after an injury at Indy. Yeah, he stopped finishing the races. They started having Taylor finish the races when they realized that a championship was not on the cards for them because they wanted to teach her to try and make her a more well-rounded driver. Michael is a three-time TCR champion. He knows how to get things done. He's not somebody who needs to be in the car to learn how to finish a race. So it was pretty sad when they gave up the ghost and, and decided that this was going to be more of a learning year because they'd been so strong in the championship for two years and they have won the championship in years past john in the same way that harry and robert did it this year they only won one race in each yeah. of their championship winning years the rest of the top 10 also in terms of the drivers championship also uh, to individual uh, drivers uh seventh and eighth to puerto rico flag drivers in brian ortiz and victor gonzalez mike lamara in ninth and denny dupont in 10th position. A, a word about those drivers, Shea. Um, Well, Brian Ortiz, we slightly hit on with the, the Tyler Maxson, that the two of yeah. them didn't do Daytona together. Brian didn't do Daytona at all, at so all. all of their other results were earned together. Um, Victor Gonzalez, VGRT, switching manufacturers halfway through the year, moving away from Honda. Um, Victor moving away from driving with Carl Whitmer, who's been a very good influence and a long yeah. success with uh, Victor. That was a sad moment, but he did manage to find some other good Hyundai-based drivers. Uh, uh, Brian um, and Victor were tied on the same points. Therefore, the tie break was the better finish, which I think was a, a, a second, wasn't it, from Brian at the last race of the season? Yes, correct. Um, and Victor, can't reiterate that enough, it took Brian nine races to get as many points as Victor got in 10. Um, so that is an impressive run for Brian Ortiz yeah. uh, with, with Tyler Maxson. Mike Lamara was the best placed of the Honda drivers because the uh, team elected to switch up their driver lineup part of the way through the year to try and see if maybe different results would come with different drivers. They switched to the new car fully, uh, I think it was three or four races into the year. So they did adapt to the FL5 from the FK7, but they too ran two different specs of cars over the course of the year. And then Denny Dupont doing another great job uh, running with the dentistry team uh, with mm. the Rockwells. I was really pleased to see them start to find their form, but they so desperately wanted a podium. They got close with a couple of fourth place finishes this year, but they do deserve some trophies. And Denny is definitely the driver who can get them there. 
honourable mentions outside the top ten. Um, we mentioned Michael Lewis already. He missed out on the the last race. He was ten points ahead of Ryan Eversley, who missed the race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and and somewhat bizarrely, he's left without a drive at the end of this year. He has separated from Honda, uh, as I understand it. So there is a difference going on there. Uh, yeah, you you picked up on that, John. The Honda team not being ready to run at Indy. I had completely forgotten about that. They cited a shortage of parts. Um, I heard it was actually a, a different story, but they were unable to run at Indy, meaning that uh, that's ultimately what cost Honda the chance at the manufacturer's championship to beat Alpha because they didn't do a complete race. Um, so that did make a difference. But um, who else was was running well? Matt Palmo deserves a shout-out for sure for all those pole positions. Yeah. He really did become a bit of a qualifying master. Uh, and a word as well for Gavin Ernstone and Johnny uh, John Morley, Jonathan Morley. Yes. Uh, difficult season for them. Started off in the best possible way with a win in the four-hour race at Daytona and they did that race just as a pair of drivers if my memory mm-hmm. but memory serves um the only decent other decent they only did four races this season and the only other decent result uh, was a fourth uh, in the fourth round of the season at uh, that was Watkins Glen wasn't it which yeah. was uh, um not the other long race of course this year no but uh, they did have the new car for that one. And there was a weird electrical gremlin plaguing them that I think it carried over to Indy. Um, but every time the onboard camera would turn on, the car would turn off. Yeah. Bizarre. And in yeah. fact, the only other team to take a victory all year by the guys at the sharp end of the field. So what did we have? One, two, three, four different uh, uh cars taking correct a, a victory um i like i have to say i like tcr racing um they they don't run absolutely full power in imza because uh, of the the gt4s they don't really want the mixing in with the the gt4s um but i still think we get good racing from it i'll go back and say that i thought lime rock and the experiment splitting splitting the two classes work Perfectly well. Congratulations uh, to Brian Hurt at Autosport with Curb Agajanian, first and second in the team's championship as well. Um, a, a good, a good season of TCR. Would I like to see two or three more cars? Probably. Are we going to get them? I'm, you know, for next year. Well, it's it looks good for next year. Um, I I still think we could do with maybe one or two more cars. I, I'm not going to be greedy on car count. I'm, I'm very happy with the amount of cars that have been coming out and, and the, the learning curve for some of the teams, because we have been able to see progress and people developing it. Rockwell Autosport Development is a perfect example because when they first came into the championship, we thought "Mm, they're going to be lucky to get top tens. Now it's race after race after race that they are consistently there for the podium. And they have just been slightly off of it. So I think we have enough good cars that can get to the podium um, that I would like to see the teams that we have continue to develop and improve their skill sets to be able to fight for podiums. And that eventually wins. You're listening to our Michelin Pilot Challenge uh, review show from 2023. Looking back at that season, it's shit Adam and me. John Heindorf. That's your TCR. Let's move on to GS, which is run to GT4 
regulations. Uh, again, they had their uh, little moment in the sun at the Detroit Sports Car Classic at the early part of June. However, let's get this out of the way to start with. The, the whole season um, came down to the last race at Petit Le Mans and there was controversy. There were shenanigans, there was finger-pointing, there was bad blood. There was a lot of stuff that we like to see, but there was an awful lot of stuff that we don't like to see in motor racing. And effectively, the championship was decided by a team who was not in the championship. And it would appear that that was done absolutely deliberately in reprisal at an event that wasn't penalised earlier in the season, that they felt they were wronged by, and therefore they took they took retribution into their own hands. Um, I thought it ruined a good season. Um, I think it left a bad taste. You had to be in the pit lane to try and work out what was going on as we were doing the adding up and working out what was going on. It was never going to be easy to start with, with post-race or with at-the-flag penalties being applied to people. But I have to say, it's rather ruined the season for me. It left a not-great taste in everyone's mouth. Um, The biggest thing that I take away from it, um, honestly, I'm a firm believer in racing karma. What you do to someone else will eventually come back to you. So that can be construed in many different directions, but also the fact that we are forgetting that this was an entire season of racing that came down to a 10 point difference means that we are forgetting that at Daytona rebel rock racing scored the minimum amount of points, which was 10, 10 points. They finished 32nd in that race. If they had scored 20 points in that race, it would have been a tie break going back to first, seconds, thirds. If they had scored 30 points, which still would have been a dismal weekend, they would have won the championship. So it does go the entire way through the season. And I, while I don't like how it finished, I also don't like how the season began. So I'm more upset about the results from Daytona Uh, than I am from Atlanta. No, I, I, I agree with you because you've got to look at it as a season-long performance. Like any league, you know, it's not what happens in the last game of the league. It's not that error, that handball that gives a penalty, that bad refereeing decision, whatever it is. It's not really that that decides the championship. It's the whole of the season. My issue with what happens at Petit Le Mans and... And, and this is the biggest part of it for me, is that you've got a team um, who are fan, two teams who are fan favourites, and rightly so, in mm-hmm. Turner Motorsport and in Rebel Rock Racing. And they're having a really great battle. And Rebel Rock uh, are a single car, Turner aren't. Turner did their absolute best to use both of their cars to their advantage, and that's absolutely their prerogative. And... Robin Liddell, towards the end of the race, is getting told where he needs to be for them to win the championship. And then right at the end of the race, under 
a safety car when nothing else can be done about it. Lone Star Racing, mm-hmm. who aren't in the championship, um, pull, I think, one of the worst tricks that can ever be done and pull off to give the championship contending Turner Motorsport BMW the title. And so they deliberately influenced the result of that race and therefore the championship. And their reasons behind it was that they felt that they had been nerfed out of a position at VIR by Robin Liddell as he was firing back through the field. Now, the biggest problem with that is that race control didn't agree with them. And race control looked at all of the information, including the throttle traces from both cars, um, both at the time and then afterwards, and decided that there was no case to answer there. Now, the other problem is that Anton Diaz Pereira is very good mates with one of the Turner Motorsport drivers. In fact, I think uh, that they shared a house. Scott Andrews uh, Scott and Andrews, Robbie Foley are uh, roommates, yeah. Yeah. or have been. Yes. yes. And, and I... <sighs> I just don't understand why they feel they wanted to get in. I I feel... Now, look, I've known Robin for a very long time. A very long time. And so I have to declare that right now. But I also have to say, I really like the Turner guys. And I don't... And, and I actually, in some ways, I feel for the Turner guys. There's no suggestion that the Turner guys asked for this from Lone Star. But unfortunately, it devalues their championship. And it does. No matter what anybody says, it devalues their championship. And... I'm not suggesting they they were complicit, but I just think it's not the right way to win a championship. And I'm I'm not sure how it could have been put right once it was done, Um, but I just think that's not the way to, to, to end a championship. And no, and and I fully agree with you, John, because the championship should be won or lost based on what you do on the track. And yes, people will say that uh, Lone Star made their decision based on what happened to them at VIR, but that's not, it's not fair that someone else should be able to determine who is victorious in a championship aside from the drivers involved in that championship. So I, I do agree with what you're saying. The, 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 if this, and I'll finish on this because we're, we're we're kind of spending too much time on this, on what was, other than this, was a, was a great season. I'll, I'll go back to um, stick and ball sports. Um, and you know and I know, being big stick and ball sport fans, um, certainly in, in soccer, uh, in the UK or in any of the big leagues around the world, you have to apply to the league to field a weakened side, particularly when you get into the end of the season and you're playing someone who's in championship contention. Even if you've got players out ill or injured, you have got to say, this is why we're bringing up someone from the under-19s. We haven't got 11 fit players. We're not trying to influence the championship. This is just the way it is. And you can be fined and docked points in the league for fielding a weak inside or for trying to influence the result elsewhere. And, and, and that, that is what happened here. The result of the championship was influenced by a team who weren't involved in the championship. And, and I think IMSA have got a look at this. I'm sure they are. And I think there has to be something brought forward as we continue with IMSA to stop this happening 
again, there's there's all kinds of evidence that's been given to him, uh, including social media from Lone Star that was um, ill-advised, shall we say, about not letting Rebel Rock win races, not letting them win the championship, etc., etc., uh, that can't go unpunished, I'm afraid. Uh, if if Lone Star come back, and I don't know whether they will, they are coming back under a cloud next year. I, I really hope that Turner and and Rebel Rob get the, to run for the championship um, in 2024 uh, under more uh, sensible situations. Ultimately, put that to one side, it was a great championship season that did come down to the final uh, race. Uh, Vin Barletta and Robbie Foley didn't have a good final race. They didn't have a good race at Mosport. They didn't have a good race at Daytona, although it wasn't as bad Mm-mm. as Sheer mentions as Frank DePew and Robert Adele. I remember in the last season of the Camaro, um, third at Sebring for Rebel Rock, then 10th, 14th and 13th. Uh, 18th at Daytona, win at Sebring. Uh, Laguna, Detroit, 12th and 9th for the the Turner crew. That first half of the season was not great, really, for either team, although you would say advantage Turner because they had the two wins. Second half of the season, my goodness, what a second half of the season for Rebel Rock. It it really was. And and looking at it individually, well, looking at everybody, nobody had a great season. That's Mm, the weird thing about this year in pilot. It was who had the least bad season, um, which is not what we're used to from this championship. But yes, the two wins from Turner at Sebring and Watkins Glen, the two wins from Rebel Rock at Road America and VIR. The only other team to win twice was Winward with mm. Bryce Ward and Daniel Morad at Indy and Detroit. Road Atlanta, and it should have been McLaren. three, don't forget. Or it, it could it have sh- been three because Elkhart lived. been three. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, the McLaren from Mia won at Road Atlanta. The Toyota from Hattori mm. won at CTMP. Again, Historic. that could have been that could have been a third Turner win, albeit for the other car. Mm. Uh, at Laguna Seca, it was Kenny Marillo and Christian Simjak who took mm. the win. And then Daytona was the one that threw everything off because that was PF Racing with their two NASCAR stars taking the victory, meaning that going into Sebring, we had a championship leader not in the race. So when the grid was set by points, it was Tom Collingwood who led them to the green flag because he and Spencer Pompelli finished second at Daytona. That was the only time all year that they led the championship, but still, they had that advantage. So Daytona really threw a wrench into everyone's plans. It, it was a bad race for all of our season-long championship contenders. Except for Kenny Marillo and Christian Simchak, who were fourth. And let's not forget, they were only um, 40 points off the championship lead come the end of the season. Their, their worst finish all year was 18th at Sebring. But I think they, they scored points every single race of the year they scored decent points every other race uh indy they finished 13th that was when the team ran solo car uh because the eric foss mercedes was not in the race so that's a lot harder when you only have one car to gather the setup information from uh road america was a 10th as well that was not a great race for them but everything else was there or thereabouts for kenny and christian now in a normal season that's not good enough to be in the top three of the championship. But this year, because we had so much diversity and so much complexity, it was good enough. But remember, John, 
Do you remember what happened the first session at the Roar for the Pilot Challenge? Kenny Morello crashed that car. Yeah. That was, so, I mean, it was almost a fairy tale comeback, wasn't it? Just off the podium. It was. There. Yeah. It was. Coming in fourth and fifth, tied on points on 2180. Eric Felguera, Stephen McAleer uh, were on countback in fourth position in the championship. Adam Adelson and Elliot Skier in fifth, but on the same points. Again, rubbish at Daytona, the pair yeah. of them. And then the rest of the season, well, in fairness, Adam Adelson and Elliot Skier, apart from Watkins Glen, where they were out of the points, they scored points everywhere else and were on the podium at the final race. There were two non-points finishes for Eric and Stephen, but they got two seconds in the first part of the season. Well, and I, I'll come back to Stephen and Eric in a second because I do want to sing the praises of the 120 car. Of uh, Well, it's normally the 120 car. It was 47 this year for Nola Sport. Elliot Skier and Adam Adelson on the upward trajectory. They have been working so well together. These two guys are best friends. I went down to interview Adam at Daytona and I was standing just outside of his box when the car broke. There was about 20 minutes to go in the race and it was looking like they were going to get a win on debut in the championship, but that wasn't to be. So they ultimately wound up with a DNF. No Porsche win in pilot this year. Yeah. That's an anomaly too. That That's totally. a weird season. Um, but Adam and uh, Elliot, I don't think their, their plans have been announced for the upcoming season. It's not my announcement to make, but they are going to very exciting places and it's very well-deserved, uh, particularly for Adam's learning curve. He's been doing so well racing across so many different platforms this year. I'm really impressed by the two of them and I'm really excited to see what comes. The other Porsche, the McAleer Filgaris Porsche. This is the car that in my book should have won the championship because on paper, they are super strong. They won SRO last year. They moved up to the pro class. They won that this year. Daytona, they come in. They're running super strong halfway through the race. They get a puncture. They get a big crash in turn one in Daytona. That's that. We go to CTMP. Last lap of the race, Steven is sitting P4, runs out of fuel on the backstretch. Road America, Stevens running in, I think it was P3 at the end of the race, run out of fuel on the backstretch, DNF. VIR, DNF. You take those four DNFs that they had on the season and put in an average finish of where they were for the rest of the year, which would have been somewhere between fourth and fifth, they would have won the championship by a landslide. So their RS1 crew needs to step back. They need to look at what they can do different. I know their driver lineup for this upcoming season. I'm telling you right now, John, 2024, RS1, they're going to be hard to beat for the championship if they can put enough fuel in the car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop it. I, I, I still don't think it's I – th- I don't think there's been enough time. Uh, I, I really don't. Um, I really don't. Um, running through the rest of the top ten, uh, Tom Collingwood, Spencer Pumpelli in sixth position on 2,000 points. This was a great year for Tom Collingwood as far as confidence building goes. I mentioned they got the second at Daytona at the beginning of the season. DNF at Sebring was rough. The DNF at Road America and then the final round of the championship not finishing the race. Every other race, though, aside from CTMP, was a top top eight finish. That's really good when you're talking about the competitiveness of the category. Spencer has not lost a beat. He is still as fast as ever. Tom is clearly adapting very well to this new Porsche. If they come back, they will continue to be a force to be reckoned with. And they've been so close to that Daytona win, I wouldn't put it past them getting that four-hour victory. Yeah, 
it's a fair point as well. Um, Jensen Altman, uh, what a season for Jensen. Uh, a bit of a sine wave. He might have liked it to be a little less up and down. 22nd, 14, 11, 15, no scores there. 19, 3rd, 3rd, 8th and 23rd. Actually, if you'd said to Jensen Altman at the start of the year, uh, you're going to be equal on points with Hugh and Matt Plum, who are two of the most experienced behind uh, behind Owen Trinkler, um, most experienced drivers in this championship. You're going to end up equal on points and you will be above them thanks to two podium finishes. Jensen would probably have taken that. I think he might have thought he'd been higher up the point standings than seventh thought. He would for sure. Um, Jensen is continuing to learn and grow and he's flourishing behind the wheel of this Ford Mustang, which has been a big change for him. I mean, it's it's a heavier car and it's a very different driving style to the Mazdas that he's been used to coming up through his career in carts before that. The two third place finishes were really well earned. Uh, One of them coming after the race result at Road America, uh, moving him up onto the podium. That was a super exciting moment. And then backing it up with the great result at VIR. But for Jensen, the big thing, he's learning from the MMR people, which is uh, Stephen McAleer, Chad McCombie, his co-driver, and the other guy that they got co-driving with him at various points this year, Joey Hand. Jensen? Mm -hmm just needs to sit there and be a sponge and that's exactly what he's been doing so his driving style has improved so much over the course of the year i can't wait to see what he does for 2024 behind uh, uh, jensen we mentioned the brothers plum um ted giovannis motorsport what a weird year for them that's mm. a championship winning team um there were moments of greatness but it never really seemed to it never seem to distill down into the results that in some ways I felt that deserved this car's best result was only a sixth. And you've got to think that they were expecting better than that. For sure. Uh, this is a team that expects to come out week in and week out and uh, be competitive for the podium. It, it felt a little like the magic wasn't there this year. Normally they've got that extra aspect that you know when they come into pit, they're going to do something different. They, they've got the ability to play around a little bit. Four ninth place finishes, one eighth and one sixth is their only top tens on the season. That leaves a lot to be desired. And oh, by the way, that's between both cars. The, mm. the sister car's best finish was 14th, which they got twice, the final round of the season and at Road America. But that's not where we expect to see the Plums and Owen Trinkler and Ted Giovannis. They've they've set a different expectation level, particularly last year, getting on the podium for Ted and Owen. Uh, we really thought that it would be different this year, particularly with so much variety at the pointy end of the field. This feels like they need to to take a step back to reevaluate and see, okay, where did the magic go? What what seat cushion did that go hiding behind? <laughs> Is it back behind the sofa? Not sure. Uh, Other cushion, other cushion. uh, Other cushion. (laughs) 10 points further back, 1,870 points. And look how tight it is in this bottom end of the top 10. Sean McAllister and Jeff Westfall. Again, a bad Daytona, a bad VIR, and an awful Rhodes Atlanta. In between them, okay, really. Best of fourth, but pretty much always around the bottom end of the top 10. Well, and you nailed that with it it just being okay. Um, they did do the car change. They switched to the BMW. Uh, that was indie, wasn't it, that they, they brought that yeah. out. Um, 
that to me spells great success coming in the future because of the team carbon with Peregrine racing. That is a Steve Dynan run organization. And Steve Dynan is a man. We, we frequently associate with the roundel. He's a BMW man through and through. So you take away those three DNFs that they had on the year, you put more of that consistency, and then you take some of that magic that we just found behind the seat cushion for uh, uh, TGM, and we put it over to Carbon. All of a sudden, we've got potential here for Westfall and potentially whoever he's going to be sharing a car with. We hope it's Sean McAllister because he's really started to come into his own in this program. They could be championship contenders once again. Westfall won the championship just a few years ago, let's not forget. Uh, rounding up the top 10, Scott Andrews, Anton Diaz-Pereira in the aforementioned uh, Lone Star uh, car, not covering themselves uh, in glory. They finished uh, tw- well, at the end of, of the season, uh, four non-scores. Um, what happened to them at they, Laguna? What was the... They were disqualified at oh, Laguna yes. Seca because yeah. there was... Uh, I was going to say, you, you mentioned at the end of the season, it really yeah. was the full year that they did not cover themselves with glory. Um, contact with, I think it was the Elliott Scare Porsche toward yeah. the end of the race. Daniel Morad was there, thereabouts on the track as well. But ultimately, Scott Andrews being given the blame and that car being thoroughly disqualified from the results. They had DNFs at Detroit, Watkins Glen, Road America... VIR and then Road Atlanta when they parked on that final lap. The highlight of the season for them would be the second at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, battling with Daniel Morad for the win at the end of that race. The Mercedes just steamrolling over everybody. Uh, that was kind of fun to watch, to be honest. The fourth at Sebring and the fifth at CTMP. So they did get three top five finishes, but in any other season, this is not a top 10 result for a top 10 team. And who else outside of the top 10? Um, you mentioned uh, Daniel Morad and Bryce Ward. I mean, fantastic. They, they were disqualified, fuel tank um, uh, indiscretion at Elkhart Lake. That was a win that was taken away. Um, they got two wins. Uh, the only team other than the sharp end of the field who got more than one win across the season, Bryce Ward. Um, what what a partnership he's forging with Daniel Morad, the the young Canadian, and couldn't be happier for Bryce. Uh, he and uh, his son have worked really hard with Windward Racing. They're still a relatively yeah. new team. They've branched out into things like DTM. They've got a European satellite operation uh, as well. They they had a really really rubbish year in GT3 in WeatherTech. A couple of high points, but you when when the old fella and I say that with much love, Bryce, <laughs> if you're listening uh, to this, gets his first win at Detroit and then backs it up again on the penultimate round of the season. They were on the podium another time as well. He keeps telling me every year for the last four or five years he's going to hang up his helmet. Well, he only started racing within the last decade, so he hasn't had a long career. This is this is a fantasy story for anybody. You know, particularly of my generation, who thinks they might want to go motor racing. He's, he's our poster boy. 
For sure. And and right well, he should be. Can't find a nicer man in the paddock than Bryce Ward. He He's just filled with such ebullience and, and genuine happiness to be in the paddock week in and week out. And he knows where he has to improve and he goes away and he works at that. And then yeah. he comes back and has a season like he had this year. Um, qualifying is still the part that he needs to work on the most, but he didn't get as many fair shots at it as he wanted because there were so many, I think it was every session except one, we had a red flag in the GS qualifying. So that's something that he'll be looking forward to for the upcoming season. Other shout outs, um, Alex Filsinger and Jesse Lazar getting the win at road Atlanta for the new McLaren Artura. They had a really difficult season. Uh, most of the finishes outside of the top 15, but for that victory, that does leave them with a good taste in their mouth for the upcoming year. And shout out also, to Billy Johnson getting that yeah. win that he's been looking for for such a long time getting that done at CTMP that was a big accomplishment um, and then the other Turner car we, we talked a little bit about uh, Foley and Barletta for getting that that win and ultimately getting the championship the two wins uh, Sebring and Watkins Glen which are big tracks to get wins at but the sister car Cameron Lawrence and Rob McGinnis they finished second in both of the races that their sister car won in. They were disqualified at both CTMP. That was after they had crossed the line first uh, at that track for a couple of different things. And then at Road Atlanta for blowing drive time. Um, uh, they yeah. had a ter- terrible Daytona, terrible Detroit. They got climbed over at Detroit. Remember when that crash with uh, Vanderster? And they still kept their heads held high at few pole positions for them across the course of the season as well. So I, I do pay attention to what they're doing and I want them to know that their hard work didn't go unnoticed. So everything else aside, which we talked about at the top of this part of the program, uh, a very good season and a season that I think share underlined the depth that we have because on any given weekend, anybody who qualified in the top 10 could potentially win a race in GS and a nice uh, Jeremy had all the stats all the way through the year um, in, in terms of the the manufacturers uh, and oh actually we, we should talk about the GS Drivers Cup uh, as well um, perhaps not quite as well uh, supported as um, some people had hoped IMSA put it in there um, after People had been talking about it, and this was is two bronze drivers. Um, we had across the season only five entries to that, and it was comfortably won by Gary Ferreira and Chris Wilson. Second consecutive year for them taking this victory as well. Um, so for Gary and Chris, yeah, they didn't have to fight as many people. They didn't do all the races. I think they only wound up at five of the rounds this season um, for budgeting and, and other things as well. But for the two of them to come back in and successfully defend it, given that there were people who found the top of the sheets a lot more frequently than last year, that is worth a bit of a plum. Yeah, uh, Ramon Abdul-Vahabi uh, and Robert Eklund, Junior third, Drew Nabai and Stephen Verger in uh, sorry, in second and third for Drew and Stephen, Jonathan Branham and John Potter, Tony Arvier and George Dacos only did uh, a round apiece. In the team championship, that reflects exactly what happens uh, in the manufacturer. So it was Turner from Rebel Rock from Marillo Racing in third. Fourth for RS1 with their number 28 uh, car. Then Nola Sport with a 47 making up the top six. Just edging, uh, just being edged by RS1. They both finished on 21 21- 80 in terms of points and that was on 
Kempok, and therefore the GS Manufacturers Championship. And my point was, I was going to make, you know, between McLaren, Toyota, Aston Martin, Ford, Chevrolet, Porsche, BMW, and Mercedes AMG, mm. everybody had a go at the front. Everybody was running in the top three. Um, of those manufacturers, um, one, two, three, four, five, six of those eight manufacturers won races. Yeah. And I think every one of those manufacturers was on the podium. Yes, they were. Um, yes. As far as manufacturers were concerned, I don't think Aston Martin earned a trophy this year. I could be wrong. No, they, they um, were third at most. They had a third at Mosport. So they were on the podium. Third for manufacturers. Were they? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were with Vanderster. Yeah. That's correct. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they did. They did get the third place. Um, but this actually sits well with me because Mercedes won more races than any other manufacturer. They got the three victories between the two for Windward and then the one for Murillo. So they should win the manufacturer's title because they had more cars win races. Now, I, I understand big picture. It goes further than that. It's more about consistency, first, seconds, thirds. But if you were to tell me at the beginning of the year that Porsche was not going to win a race, and not only were they not going to win a race, they were still going to finish third in the manufacturer's championship ahead of four other manufacturers that did win races, I would have been surprised. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that. Uh, Congratulations to Mercedes-AMG who win the manufacturers over BMW in second and Porsche in third. A clean sweep for the German manufacturers, 3,050 points to 29.80 and 29.20. The best of the US manufacturers. And again, fair play for Rebel Rock Racing. One car in the championship for Chevrolet. They finished fourth and were the best US flag manufacturer. Yeah, it was a really good showing for them. And it's a, a little bit like alpha one team one shot that's it and at the end of the day they got race wins they represented well in the championship and they beat some people who had a lot bigger firepower than they did <laughs> so that's 2023 uh, in the book 2024 already around the corner will kick off with the four-hour race at daytona ship i'm looking forward to it already any any little bits of gossip that you can share with us? Or are we going to wait till the roar? Uh, I think we're going to start hearing about some driver lineups coming up pretty soon. But let's just put it this way. I haven't heard of any that doesn't get me excited. Ah, oh, well, there's Shay just teasing us with that information. <laughs> uh, my very great thanks to Shay and to everyone who's worked in the pits uh, alongside her. So at Daytona, we had some additional bodies there in the shape of Joe Bradley and uh, Nick Damon. Also uh, to Jeremy Shaw, of course, who was beside me in the Global Broadcast Centre, uh, along with Peter Mackay at very stages of the season. Our technical crew at NASCAR Productions up in Charlotte, North Carolina have given us the opportunity, whether we've been on site or working remotely, to get the most incredible views of what was going on in Michelin Pilot Challenge uh, this year. And particularly to all of the teams, the drivers and the, the PR personnel who've sent us stuff, allowed us access to people, fired us in messages, set up interviews, etc., etc. Even when, you know, that's easy when the times are good, but when the times are bad and it hasn't gone your own way, it's a lot more difficult. And we've still had great, 
great help from everybody up and down the pit lane. Thank you to all of them and to you, our viewers and listeners. Rest assured, we've got another great season on our hands. We used to call it the best kept secret in motorsport. Not sure we can say that quite now as the Michelin Pilots Challenge has built itself a well-deserved reputation for enjoyment, entertainment and just some fabulous racing. Join us in 2024 on imsaradio.com in sound and vision. From Cher, myself, John Hindorf, and the rest of the team, bye for now. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to Imsa Radio wherever you get your podcasts.